Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast episode number 94. Fredo Esparza here. Lots to talk about. From Alberto getting fired from Impact, the Copa Nuevos Valores final, Matt Taven beating Volador Jr., the first ever singles meeting between Mystico and Caristico, Jack Evans and Angelico quitting Lucha Underground, Zack Sabre Jr.'s comments about Mexico, uh, so much to talk about this week. I mean, there, it's it, it was kind of interesting because I think we haven't we haven't been able to do a, a podcast for um, MLW's um, and uh, an MLW Lucha Talk this in the past two weeks. We were gonna do one two weeks ago, but um, they there really wasn't a lot to talk about. We had Matt Taven's um, win over Volador Jr., but beyond that, I mean, that show itself wasn't that interesting. Beyond that. Um, and then there were some other things that really, you know, it would have been a stretch just to come up with anything else to talk about. I think that's what hurts when when AAA does all those TV tapings all within one week. There's nothing else to talk about the rest of the time. So that it was a very slow week two weeks ago. Then this past week, a lot happened. But unfortunately, uh, Microman Fever's laptop crashed. Actually, the hard drive crashed and he has to get that fixed. Um, so we should be back to doing that podcast at some point. Uh, for those wondering where that is, where, where that is, why it's not been, why we haven't done it, we're we're experiencing te- technical difficulties with uh, at the moment. So that should be back uh, back at some point. But this week, a lot we finally got the finalists for the Copa Nuevos Valores, which will be happening on April seventeenth, the final on Tuesday. It ended up being Maya Blanca versus Flyer. I think about right after they announced Astral was going to be had replaced somebody in the tournament, uh, we started to wonder who he replaced. Actually, I don't even know if if we more like I probably was the only one that was really wondering about it because I don't think anybody else really cared about it at that point. And then like a couple of days later, uh, 
someone told me that they that they were told that Audas and Templario were pulled out of the tournament, which pretty much make made this tournament seem pointless. Because I think everybody assumed that this was a way for them to elevate Audas or Templario. But I, I'm assuming CML sees these guys just elevating that, moving up on their own and not really needing a tournament. But I, I still think they probably could have used it for one of these guys. And then, you know, at some point they have Gran Alternativa or some other match that can elevate the other. Um, but they instead decided to go with someone different. They ended up replacing the, the two guys who ended up being added to the tournament and replacing them were, um, like I mentioned, Astral. And the other one was Principe, Principe Odin Jr., who's been around for like 20 years or so. So uh, you knew right away he had no shot of being a, a Nuevo Valor and moving up. I mean, the, 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 that, 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 his time has passed. I think he's pretty much just a really good undercard wrestler at this point, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, you need good undercard wrestlers. And if, we, if you've watched a lot of CML, you realize that their undercard talent, especially on the Rudo side, can be anywhere between good, bad, awful, whatever, okay, however you want to. Because uh, really, they don't really, you pretty much know what you're going to get from most of those guys anyways. Um, but the tournament itself, I thought it was pretty good. The, the first week I thought was really, was good. I thought that was the better one. The second week, I think it was a little more of a letdown because I think a lot of the guys weren't as familiar with the... It kind of looked like they weren't as comfortable against each other compared to the first week. There were a couple of good matches. Uh, I thought I thought um, Super Astro Jr. had a couple of good matches. Um, Flyer had a good match in this. I'm trying to remember who else had a... Coyote looked really good, but I, I figured... You could watch it online. It's all up there on YouTube, on CML's YouTube channel. You could see the matches themselves. But I kind of wanted to just bring up what I thought about everyone. The only guy I thought that looked really bad in this was Retro. <laughs> like, he just, he truly is, he truly fits that name. He kind of reminds me of what uh, Matt Classic is supposed to be. But Matt, Cla- Matt, Matt Classic is like a, like, a, like a comedy type of figure. Whereas Retro, I think he's kind of trying to take that seriously. Physically, he kind of has that body and his work kind of came across that way too. And I don't think that really works in today's wrestling unless you're doing comedy. A lot of guys were just looking okay. Astral, Graco, Magia Blanca, who reached the final, Reiko, Fugaz, Principe Diamante, Principe Daniel, Principe Odin Jr. All the Principes, they all looked just okay. I thought Principe Daniel... I know the last time I saw when when he was when he made appearances on 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 Informa, he showed some charisma, but um his style in the ring is, I think it's good enough where he could work opening matches in CMLL, and I think that would be fine. I don't know if he's got more of, if he could do more. I I thought of the three Guadalajara guys, the one that kind of showed more was Fugas. The other, I think they'd be perfectly fine if you want to bring them every couple of weeks. To work um, Guadalajara, uh, or you know, they work Guadalajara. But if you want to bring them in to work Mexico City, Puebla, every couple of weeks, that'd be fine. I th- I think that would be fine. Um, it it would actually el- get rid of some of this um, the same old same old that we get from some of the opening matches. You know, a uh, uh, Reiko Fugas, Principe Daniel versus, you know, maybe the the uh, a a a Mexico versus Guadalajara, Mexico City versus Guadalajara opening match might get some reaction or, you know, as a second match, might get a reaction from the crowd on a Tuesday or Friday show. S- same with Saturday or Sunday. Grocco, I thought, looked okay. 
he was accompanied by by Mihe. Mihe accompanied him and um, I think Coyote. With Graco, he dressed as a cowboy. I thought Graco looked okay. Um, Principe Diamante, he wore these green, lime green pants, pull away pants, basically, you know, stripper pants. So all this time while I'm watching this guy wrestle, I just kept thinking he kind of looked like a smaller version of El Ejido. I don't know why, like even the mask, it kind of like, it didn't really have this real, he, he wore a white looking mask and it just didn't really, he, he just came across and with those pants, it just, you just knew he wanted to pull them off. So he basically had to wait three matches to get, finally pull off his pants. Uh, he did it against Magia Blanca. Uh, Magia Blanca, you know, the last time prior to this tournament, the, what, the last time I'd see him, he worked the, a Friday show and he looked really awful. Um, but in this tournament, he looked good. I was okay, good. Not, he didn't come across that, you know, that special, like that big of a, like a guy who you're going to think, oh, this guy's going to be a future star. I think really without Adas and Templario, you kind of lost that out of this tournament. Sangre Imperial, a guy who's always looked really bad in most of the matches I've seen him in, he actually came off looking okay in this. He wasn't the worst guy in this. He might have been the second worst guy in this. I think Reiko was retro was without retro without a doubt was the worst guy in this. Um, the good guys in this tournament, Machiavello, I thought looked good. Um, El Coyote looked really good. George Quebrada looked good. Um, Yago looked good also. Flyer looked good. And probably the guy I think stood out the best that looked like the guy, like if you're going to go with technicals, the young technical guys, if Audaz is like the top guy coming up, I think Super Astro Jr. should be the second guy because he's, I thought he looked really good. He did a lot of stuff that was far better than any anybody else in this. Um, Coyote actually looked good too. I think he, I think if you're going to, if you're going to rank these guys, unfortunately for the two guys that reached the final, I don't think they were the top two guys in this tournament. I think Super Astro Jr. and El Coyote were the two guys who really showed the most in this tournament. Uh, Coyote really impressed me. He did this really cool tornillo through the middle rope tornillo. I think he's done that a few times. It looked really good in this. Um, he looks like somebody, he kind of reminds me like, he kind of reminds me like he could be one of the hijos del infierno or he kind of looks like a better version of um, Polvora. Um, and for those of you who've watched Polvora, know that he could be good at times, especially against Titan, and he could look really lost at certain points, or he could look good in tag team matches with um, Dragon Rojo Jr. You know, he's all over the place. I think Coyote could be a better version of Polvora. Super Astro Jr., while not at Adas's level, I think he's probably like the next, like the next tier, kind of like up there with the. I think he could be up there right now with like Valiente. And Stuka Jr., Ray Cometa, Triton, uh, he's better than Esfinge. Blue Panther Jr., the Panther. I think he could be in that mix of guys. Guromaya Jr., he could be in there with those guys. I think Aldas is the one guy I think could be up there with Volador Jr., Dragon Lee, Sobrano Jr. One of these days we'll have to do like a, like a where we rank all these um, CML guys, like in as far as, um, you know, what their position is in the promotion because. There's some guys who just come across as superstars, you know. And when you look at the superstars, you think, would this guy have a shot at, at getting a, a WWE deal? Would they get an interest from those guys? Because, you know, would they be in rumors? They don't necessarily have to be in WWE, WWE's radar, but would you envision this guy at some point possibly being, you know, considered in WWE or with an American promotion or with New Japan? You know, something bigger than just, like, working the same 
CMLL trios matches every single week. Or, you know, as headliners in CMLL, guys who you could see them, you know, getting behind as as uh, potential superstars. I think Super Astro Jr. is kind of a notch below that, but I think he has potential to be there also. Really, I think they should actually have Super Astro Jr. Audaz and, you know, maybe put him in there with Ray Cometa as like a, a new Cadets del Espacio since I think I think Solar and um, Super Astro Sr. would be okay with that. I, I hate saying Super Astro Sr. because, you know, I remember seeing him when he was younger. Um, although not that young. He was, he was already wrestling by the time before I would... He probably started wrestling before I was born, so... I think the I think what I liked about this tournament most, beyond Super Astro Junior's uh, performance, was how much, you know, CML's focuses so much on the on the technicals, elevating them, you know, like every once in a while they'll elevate a, a new Rudo, and it usually is like a, a you know guys who are like from a family, you know, like um, on the Rudo side the family or they're really talented the family guys usually are like the you know like the the dinamitas guys like that grand girl but then like you have like the special super talented guys like hechicero barbara carvernario guys like that i think in this tournament you kind of saw a lot of guys who you know you could get rid of like scandalo nitro arcangel uh sangre azteca inquisidor I don't think Kimura's even like he's not he's not on on enough shows to really consider him. Although you get rid of him also, uh, but get rid of all of those guys, and you could have Yago, El Coyote, Machiavello, George Quebrada, Graco. You could have those guys work more regularly, and they and Principal then Junior already does. But those guys, I think they could do a lot more with those guys. You know, really Yago. I know another Yago, El Coyote, Templario. Not quite. Not quite. 100% on Machiavello, but those three guys, those two guys with, I mean, Yago and El Coyote, I think you could put them already with like Templario, make them a trio or put them with somebody else and they'd be very, they'd be perfectly good compliments to like a lead, a guy who leads them on, you know, like a, if you want to form a faction with like Echicero or a trio with, uh, with Echicero or somebody like that, I think these guys would perfectly fit in with those guys. I mean, you could get rid of like some of the like the hijos del infierno. I mean, if you want to like keep Mephisto relevant, because he still looks like physically, Mephisto still looks great. But you know, his matches haven't been like they're usually. He has some good matches, but his his performances his performances aren't as quite the level as they used to be. But if you really want to do something, you could add some of these guys with him, and he, you know, they could cover for him, and you could still make keep him as a star. So we do get the final, Magia Blanca versus Flyer, another technical versus technical match. I think the one thing I worry about is that both of these guys can have these up and down type of matches, you know, performances. Like one week they'll look amazing, the following week they might have like a little bit of a letdown. And I kind of worry about that with these two, especially with Magia Blanca. I'm hoping it's good. I think it'll be good just because it's a singles match and it's something different from, you know, your normal CML show where it's just a bunch of trios matches. And like the one match that's different is either a match for Lampago or like the opening match that is a tag match. And that's really all you get sometimes. And everything else is just trios matches. Um, so I think that's good for, and you know, it's, it's going to be in the, uh, in a Martes de Nuevos Valores, you know, what better place to have this match? It would have, it would have been, it would have been hilarious if they had it on a Sabado Retro. Um, but yeah, this should be a good match. Like I said, I think, I think they could have got more out of Super Astro Jr. versus Coyote than they, than they probably imagined they could. I know when Aldas and Templario were were taken out of this tournament, I was trying to figure out who could 
who they could go with. And everybody just, I think most of us assumed it would be Flyer. Magia Blanca trained by Ultimo Guru. So, you know, I didn't really, I thought he was going to be just taken out because of that horrible performance he had on that one Friday show. But, you know, you know, they, they, they ended up going with him. Um, I think, I don't think CML realized how, how good Super Astro Jr. and El Coyote, well, they knew, they knew El Coyote was good, but I don't think they realized how good Super Astro Jr. was. So that's something I hope they're more, they're on more shows on a regular basis. George Cabrada, I think is also somebody that they could um, do a little bit more with. Uh, he kind of looked like Super Commando um, with the bald head and, um, and beard. So he looks like he's somebody that they could also, um, like I said, he, 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 he showed some promise. And I think that's what we want from these tournaments. You've got to have some, some new blood in CML. You, we get so many of these guys who never leave CML and, you know, even if they leave, like they'll leave like for a year or two and they'll be back. And it's like, they never, you feel like they never left. Cause then it ends up being like 10, 15 years of them. I mean, shocker went to triple a and it's like that, that's like decades. That seems like decades ago and he's still around. So yeah, that tournament was, um, I think it was something good, something different. I thought it was better than, I think both tournament tournaments, both blocks were a lot better than the, than the two tag team tournaments that we had just because they gave, I felt like they gave them a little more time and um, we got to see some different people in, in those matches. It wasn't the same guys. You know, you see a tag team tournament, you always assume Volador Jr. Ultimo Guerrero are going to win that. And this kind of, I think that's probably what they also wanted to do with, by getting rid of Templario and Adas from this. They probably wanted us to be like surprised with who they were going to pick. But I'm not sure. I think the best case scenario is Flyer wins. And I do think Flyer can actually fill in at in that role of a, a good third guy on a trio higher on the card. I don't know if he's going to go all the way up. I don't see the same level performances that um, he's not at the level Soberano Jr. was when they moved him up or Sanson, Cuatrero, and those guys. But he's kind of a little not. I think he could probably... I think they probably should have had him win the tag team titles with um, Volador Jr. And that would have been a good way to um, to use him a little better. The other news, March 30th, the Friday Arena Mexico show, Volador Jr. lost the NWA World Welterweight title to Matt Taven. Good match. Surprising finish. Uh, I think the only thing, the only hint that this might actually be a... a, a the only hint that I think some of us probably would have considered this being a, a possible title change was that um, was that they changed the name. They dumped the historic part. So when Matt Taven won, so I, I always kind of thought maybe that's why Matt Taven won it because maybe they would allow him to be to def- to bring the belt to the United States and defend it. Um, I don't know. Um, I thought the match was pretty good. I'm not sure if Matt Taven's a, a natural welterweight weight. So that's, that was one of the things that, that, um, that I think that was really the only thing I kind of like wasn't sure about. I think if you're going to like use Matt Taven on a regular basis in Mexico, you pretty much have to make him like at least come across as a star. And I think this was something they had to do. I don't know, like, I don't know where he is as far as a ring of honor, um, his place in ring of honor, as far as, um, you know, his standing, is he like a headline guy, you know, like a where he ranks within their promotion. But if he's going to be a main event level guy in CML, they got to have him win every once in a while. 
Um, the other thing, oh, the other thing from the from the Copa Nuevos Valores um, was that the winner of the match is going to earn a shot at one of the welterweight titles. It won't be the NWR World Welterweight title currently held by Matt, Tav- Matt Taven, but it will be either the National Welterweight title or the CML World Welterweight title. National is held by uh, Sobrano Jr. and the World CML World is held by Mephisto. So we might actually get something like that. I am personally hoping they pick Sobrano Jr. because I think Mephisto versus these two guys, while I think he could lead them, I don't know if it's going to be that exciting or that 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 fun, that much fun compared to what it could be with Sobrano Jr. Plus Flyer versus Sobrano Jr. They've they've been around together. I, I'm pretty sure they've trained with each other, so they might actually be able to pull some stuff off. Um, the other news from CMLL over the past couple of weeks has been um, Cranio's turn from being a Rudo to a Technico. He's been teaming up a lot with Los Ingobernables, with Rush, and the newly attired Bestia del Ring. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Maybe you've been in awe. Maybe you've noticed some changes to, to Bestia del Ring. Possibly this new out maybe you're wondering who is this guy maybe this this guy doesn't look as bad or looks even worse maybe you don't know but he's wearing different he 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 came up with a new outfit he's wearing more clothing while wrestling and for those of you wondering who haven't watched him wrestle he looks exactly as bad as he did before in the ring in fact i think the the the, the all that clothes makes it more difficult for him to move around and horrible i i I, I don't know about this whole Cranio turn. I think Cranio, a lot of the fans online, Cranio pointed this out on Informa recently that a lot of fans are saying, well, he's going to turn technical because they need to fill out um, Super Porky's spot as a as the chubby luchador, you know, who the fans like. And he said that wasn't true because nobody can fill Super Porky's spot. Uh, he was being friendly, you know, he was bring, being... Um, you know, respectful and stuff, but it really is him filling in that spot. I mean, what what other reason is there? I think best case scenario in this feud is that we get a Cranio versus Rush singles match, which I think is perfectly fine. Cranio can work. He's pretty, I mean, I think a lot of people like, because he gets thrown into a lot of these um, trios matches where he where it's like, you know, Bestia the Ring, you know, Pierrot, Diamante Azul, a lot of these guys who aren't like good or, you know, he doesn't get out these really great singles trios matches, but when he's in there with good trios and tr- good trios matches or in good singles matches like he had with Echicero, he he gets to show some that he does have some skill. He could work. He has he has Mije. I think he's actually had some good matches with Marco also. So you do get some some good matches from him. This won't be if because I I have a feeling we're gonna get a best of the ring versus Cranio singles match, which I don't think none of us really want. I think the highlight of this whole thing was uh, of this turn has been Cranio. Uh, he the last match they had, he uh, they decided to do the soccer the football spot, and after based of the ring, you know, ha- kicked the the imaginary ball to um, to Cranio. Cranio does his whole thing with the ball with the ball the imaginary ball, and rather than passing it over to Rush, he kicks it out to the crowd, and and celebrates. And that did not please the the Ingobernables. I love how this is viewed. The highlight is an, an, an playing with an imaginary ball. I don't know where this leads after another feud that um, happened this past these past couple of weeks that's been um, featured on CML is um, 
Princesa Suhei has been feuding with La Seductora. Seductora has been appearing a lot on a lot more shows. So I'm guessing there's going to be a big payoff at some point with them putting their hair on the line. It could be the that um, the 62nd, the Arena Mexico 62nd anniversary show. It could be a kid. I don't think it'll be the Kids Day show. Um, it could be some show on, in May. I don't know if I don't know if Seductora versus Princesa Suhei is going to draw. But I'm guessing they're probably going to have to, judging by some of the reactions some of the women have with how their um, their big matches need to be like more featured or more pushed, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to do something where they put it as like a semi-man event or something. I don't think they would do that. I think best case for the women is that they get the fourth match spot. But, you know, I don't really know if we if people are really that thrilled about a Seductora versus Princesa Suhei, her match. Um, this past Friday show, the show wasn't very good. Really, the the one match you should watch, I think. Actually, I think most people actually skipped this show because they were watching other stuff that weekend, uh, being WrestleMania weekend. Friday night, you, I think there was um, the WWE Hall of Fame was airing, and I think, and I was watching the Lucha Underground versus Impact show on Twitch. So I ended up watching this the following day. And really, the the only thing I thought that was really good was um or good was the girls Laguneros versus Dragon Lee Mystico and Titan match. Everything else you could pretty much skip. Uh, Valiente versus Tuca Jr. in a match for Lapago was really short, but I, I thought it was pretty good at, at certain points. They tried to build up a Nero Casas versus Sam Adonis feud, and they were gonna have a match for Lapago this, this the following that was gonna be the next thing, but they ended up switching it over to Nero Casas versus Soberano Jr., which is gonna be a lot better. They, 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 like I said, the big thing was the cranio, the cranio um, turn on on los los Ingobernables. Coado san, again I watched him and he didn't look that impressive. Uh, hopefully he he improves at some point, but he still hasn't. The Saturday, Arena, Arena Coliseo show, the seventy fifth anniversary of Arena Coliseo, they actually did post it onto YouTube YouTube the following day on a Sunday. You could, I think they did post it on Sunday. They said they were going to post it earlier, but they posted it a little later. And you could watch that. It's on their YouTube, on the CML YouTube channel. And nothing really happened on that, really. Watch the third match. Audaz, Geromaya Jr., Ray Cometa beating Puma Tiger Virus. That was the best match on the card. If you're an Estrellita fan, that's where you could find Estrellita. She looked, um, you know, she had her nice outfit on. But the match itself was horrible. Might have been one of the worst women's matches I watched. La Vaquerita didn't make the show, so they had Dallas subbing for her. So they basically had four Rudas and two Technicas. And basically the Rudas attacked Estrellita and Marcela. It really not not a good match. Um, the rest of the show was really boring. Not good. The two Legends tag matches weren't that interesting. I hope CMLL doesn't start thinking about bringing Forzagura in regularly. He looked he didn't look that great. Yeah, he didn't he didn't look good at all. Satanico, I saw some people say that he looked like he like he has skipped a beat and yeah, he has, he does. Um he he does look a lot worse. I thought the only good guy, the only thing that looked kind of good was Nero Casas versus um, Solar and that Super Astro whenever he was in there with them. But even that stuff like it the match just looked really slow. Um it, it wasn't that it wasn't that entertaining. I wouldn't blame you guys if you skipped that. I I know like it just it just like on a, on a week 
on a weekend where there was so much other wrestling to watch, I thought that was probably the one thing you could have um, you could have skipped. The other uh, the other match that I watched was the Puebla show. The main event was Caristico versus Mystico. Um, Caristico won the match. I thought the match was okay, good. Really surprised that they put the the crowd was clearly behind Caristico, but I, like I said, I was really surprised that I don't know. Like I I was I should I should say like I. I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I am surprised because you would think somebody in CML would say, you know, let's let's say let's save the first time ever singles match between Caristico and Mystico. Let's save that for one of these events that we've had within the last what two three months. There they've had Dos Leyendas, they've had the the Arena Cold Sale 75th anniversary show. They had the they could have put this in if they really want to do something special on. Went during the 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 week that every there were so many tourists, they could have had this on that on one of those shows. I know Puebla packed got packed, but I mean, really, you want to do this in Rena, Mexico, to get a good crowd there. That's where you're going to get a lot more people than than Puebla. Um, they could do it. They could have done this for the Arena Mexico 62nd anniversary show. Could have. I think that probably would have been the, the those really were. I think those two would have been the the ideal spots for this, and instead they do it on Puebla. Tons of heat for the match, but I think they they probably made the mistake of not having the first time ever match. You know, they could have planned it better and actually gotten a little more hype for this. Caristico, after the match was at, on Informa, was asked if he would consider a a mask or character, you know, person purse a character match, kind of like um, LA Park versus La Parca in AAA, where not only was the mask on the line, but the entire gimmick was on the line. Which, you know, the result was basically L.A. Park saying he wanted nothing to do. Like, he was okay with the guy continuing as La Parca because he established himself as L.A. Park. So, you know, that probably would have ended up happening with Caristico versus Mystico anyway. So maybe that that would have... I think the only difference was, you know, it wouldn't have been the big beatdown that um that would... The only difference, if they, would have, if they did that match and ended up with that same result was that you know, Caristico would have given a little more offense to Mystico as opposed to LA Park just beating the crap out of um, La Parca through for like twenty minutes. Yeah, that that I thought that was really the 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 thing that I I kind of was hoping that they could have had that on a Friday, really, and you know, instead they they put it on a Puebla. The big news in Lucha Libre over the past weekend, and we still haven't gotten Alberto Patron's side of things. But I think the big news was really uh, Impact firing Alberto El Patron. <laughs> what, what a 48 hours. You know, unbelievable. And it, it could I mean, you could say unbelievable, but it's Alberto, so you kind of expect it. <laughs> like, anything could happen with this guy. Like, I don't know what in the world this guy is doing with his career. I mean, I know he said he's going to retire within a, a year or two. Maybe he's just trying to get there a little faster. Who knows? So Alberto shows up for the Impact press conference on Friday to talk about the Impact um, Impact pay-per-view where he's going to wrestle in the main event against Austin Aries. They're hyping that up. He shows up for that. So that later that night, they have the Impact versus Lucha Underground show at, you know, at, at WrestleCon. And as the show's going on, I think somewhere around the I think the 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 match or two prior to the, to the main event, 
Josh Matthews and Matt Stryker bring up that they have some annou- an announcement to make for the main event. I think they did that two matches prior, and then like during the match, they announced that they had turned the main event from a tag match that was featuring Alberto Patron to a three-way match that was going to be Austin Aries versus Pentagon, Pentelcero M, and Ray Phoenix. So Josh Matthews and Matt Stryker start talking about how they don't they don't really know what's going on with Alberto Patron. All they know is that he's not there, that they would probably get more information later on. So we get that. We end up a I thought the match was an upgrade because I, I think anytime you get rid of Alberto of a match out of a match, I think it's always gonna be a lot better. I, I don't think he's that I don't think he's that great. That's my opinion. If you disagree, that's fine. So then the next day, Saturday, Impact releases a statement saying that they had just fired Alberto El Patron. What? A, I mean, it, that was unbelievable. I, actually, I said 48 hours. It was actually 24. It really was 24 hours. Just amazing that this guy within one day, 24 hours, went from being in a main event for Impact to being fired. I mean, you I'm waiting for the excuse, his his excuse. What happened? Really weird. I think I think that um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think perhaps they were gonna change. I, my gu- my guess, and I I don't know. I I, I haven't, I, I I haven't heard anybody else bring up any reason why they thought maybe he would have quit, or I mean why he wouldn't go to the should, why he no showed the 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 you know the the Friday show that he was supposed to he was scheduled for. But um, I'm guessing maybe he just didn't want to be. Um, I'm guessing maybe Impact was thinking of changing that the the pay per view main event and adding Penta and Ray Phoenix into it, and maybe he didn't like that idea and you know threw a tantrum or something and decided not to do it. Who knows? I get we'll get the story at some point. I'm sure I'm sure Dave Meltzer is going to have it on his on the Observer at some point, or or somebody else will give you the give the all the we'll we'll release the juicy details of what happened the impact versus lucha underground show from that friday i thought it was good Uh, i think there were a couple of matches i thought were were really good and then there were a couple of matches i could have done without watching just because i thought they were they were okay but you know there wasn't anything that bad i thought it was pretty good i mean there were a couple of nostalgia you know the the teddy hart teaming up with scott steiner thing was kind of funny probably would have been the one match i could have really skipped because you know teddy and, and scott steiner really don't have much to add although i will say teddy hart did this really cool spot and i think there's a lot of stuff that teddy hart has done in wrestling that gets overlooked by him like in the ring not the not the outside the stuff or like his 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 promos or anything that you know anything you get out of the ring i'm talking about in the ring when he's wrestling there are certain things that he does that i think like if another guy did or has done we would totally mark out for but when teddy does it it's just you know ah oh, teddy's doing the being silly or teddy's doing that the the show itself it opened up with a um a six-way match matanza cueto ended up winning beating caleb conley um, it also included chavo guerrero jr jack evans moose and matt seidel the highlight of this was right before this uh i think a couple of days prior to this when that match was announced jack evans m- mentioned that it was weird that he was in this match considering he doesn't work for either company for either impact or lucha underground and i asked i asked him on twitter if he um if he was no longer if he was in season 3 of lucha underground got no response i think he probably realized he probably should, he probably said too much 
and then like because i know i know there were a couple of other people who were asking him also about um the his comment about lucha underground and a couple of, it took a couple of days later for all that to come out that he was no longer part of lucha underground second match on the show was ali beating taya valkyrie to retain the impact knockouts title i thought this was um a good match taya look taya did a really good job of um being like the bully in the match the ruda just you know just picking on Allie and I thought Allie did a great job of doing her comeback during the match really thought this was a good match and you know it, it, it's it, I think if you watch Taya's um, growth in Lucha Libre over the years in wrestling really um, if you first watched her in in AAA you kind of notice that they basically focus more on her you know as a as a as a valet or as a as a second and you know to like you know, Paraguay Jr. and, you know, other people. But, like, when she would get into the ring, have matches, she really looked very um, robotic and and she kind of looked like she was a little lost, including some of the stuff she did. You know, you sometimes wondered what Landstorm was teaching her in the ring. And um, nowadays, now when you watch her, she's, she's kind of finally figured out uh, what works for her. She's a, she's a heel, and she does that really well, and I thought that her matches are a lot, you know, they're 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 a little more smoother now. They're not as uh, they don't look. She doesn't look as robotic in the ring anymore. She she's really improved overall. Um, I really liked Allie. I don't I don't really watch a lot of Impact. Um, I thought she does a she does a really great baby. She does a really good baby face um comeback, and um, especially in this match, um, I I thought this was a good match. After this, we had Scott Steiner and Teddy Hart beating. OVE, Jake Christ and Dave Christ. This was um this wasn't very good. I think people were just amused of the tag team pairing of Scott Steiner and Teddy Hart more than anything. But it was one very very good match. Um, the fourth match on this was um, actually pretty good. King Cuerno teaming up with Aerostar and Drago to beat Andrew Everett, DJZ, and Desmond Xavier. I thought this was good. Um, I don't know other than King Cuerno. I think everybody else looked really great. Uh, King Cuerno looked very underwhelming. I don't know if maybe it was like the cut he got. He got like cut on his chest, and um, it it looked pretty bad. And he ended up like he was wearing. He 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 came in wearing a shirt, took it off, and then when he started bleeding, he put the shirt back on. So I don't know. Maybe that was bothering him, but he didn't look very good. Um, it's funny because I I told Rob Viper that I think people expected King Cuerno from Lucha Underground. And they ended up getting Hijo de Fantasma from AAA, which is my way of saying Hijo de Fantasma hasn't looked very good in AAA this year. And he didn't look good in this one. Uh, but the other guys looked really good. I thought they did a great job. Lots of great dives. A fun match. Definitely something you should watch. It's still up there on, uh, I think, Impact's um, Twitch channel. And if it's not on Impact's Twitch channel, it's on um, AAA's Twitch channel also. If you want to watch that match, that's really good. Um, after that, we had a... Trevor Lee was supposed to wrestle Famous B, but Famous B decided that he wasn't going to wrestle, and he instead brought in a a one day only client. Turned out to be Marty the Moth, and uh, I thought this match was okay, not that great. Trevor Lee won. It was really just I think this was just something that that kind of just was there to like, <laughs> you know, keep us like just for the next. It, it just kind of just wasn't that great. Um, the sixth match. And I thought this was probably the best match on the card was LAX beating the Mac and Killshot to retain the Impact Tag Team titles. This was really good. 
LAX, I've seen a lot of the Mac and Kill shot because I watch a lot of Lucha Underground, and I've I've been very impressed with, and I also the Mac because you know he's from Los Angeles, he's wrestled in Los Angeles a lot, so from this area, so I've seen a lot of him. Kill shot, I've I I I've become a big fan of his just because of the stuff that he's done in, in Lucha Underground and stuff, and and I've seen a few things of his on the indie scene. LAX, I've probably seen less of. Um, I've seen them, I've seen them a few times on Impact and a few times like another stuff that they've done, but they were really impressive in this, and I really like this match. I think you should def. This is definitely if you're gonna only pick one match to watch from this, this is the one match you should watch. Um, really, a really good match. Really enjoyed it. After that, we had Brian Cage beating Eli Drake. These two guys in the, in their previous in their past were a tag team called Border Patrol. And they would work, you know, in um, here in California, and um, also I think they traveled a few times in Mexico as Border Patrol. But this match wasn't that great. Um, I thought this was more of a this kind of felt like a, a 1980s type of match, more than anything else. Um, the next match was an I Quit match between Jeremiah Crane, Sammy Callahan versus um, Eddie Edwards. Jeremiah Crane ended up winning the match because Eddie Edwards, I think he was knocked out or something like that story story wise. Um, he never said I quit. The oh, actually the rest just stopped it, and but I I I thought this match was. I think some people might like it more than I did. I kind of just like like I said, if there's a lot of furniture involved in a match, I'm just not really as into it. It has to be really like well done for me to really enjoy it, and I'm not sure this was at that level. But I thought it was pretty good. I mean, for that crowd, I think if it's if it's something you like, I think you would enjoy it. I, I wasn't that into it as much as, as others might have been. Um, the main event ended up being Penta, Cero, Emmett beating Ray Phoenix and Austin Aries in a three-way match. Good match. I think they left enough for um, for a rematch, which they're, of course, going to do in the for the Impact pay-per-view. Only this time, Aries is going to defend his um, the Impact world title on that show. That should be good. The other news. The other news from... Uh, from Impact versus Lucha Underground show was that they announced the very first after the very first match they announced Lucha Underground season four start date would be June thirteenth, and that's something to look forward to. I think I think there's some stuff that I'm interested in watching, but there's a lot of stuff that I've seen on spoilers that doesn't really seem like something I'm dying to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of like farewells on this um, season considering all the guys who have kind of been announcing that they've been released or they're or they they've parted ways with um Lucha Underground. So that's something else to look forward to. Um like I said, Jack Evans and Angelico both announced that they had left Lucha Underground. I think Angelico we kind of had a feeling for a while because he's been in Europe for the long for the last year or so. I don't think he was I don't think he was at the tapings the season 4 tapings either, so I think we had a feeling that maybe he was gone already. Just a matter of, you know, him finalizing the, the you know the the agreement to to leave the promotion. That's you know it's kind of disappointing to see like, like I think I think it's good to have turnover for a promotion because that way you don't have to see the same stuff over and over again. But I think I I I think they I think we could have got more out of um, Angelico and Jack Evans and Lucha Underground. Um, Angelico was always hurt, and the few times he wasn't, he did pretty well. I think that really was the place where he made his name. Jack 
I gotta think that every single time he was, every season he had some like something was like his face was broken, jaw broken, um, something was always broken with Jack during the the three seasons or three four seasons of Lucha Underground, and you know, I think he was another guy who could have added more to it. He could have done more. That's pretty unfortunate. I think, you know, when when season one first started, I think uh, there were a lot of rumors that WWE was interested in Angelico. And I think that's a lot. I think that's what's happening with a lot of the. And I don't know if they were as interested in Jack Evans, but I think that's what's happening with a lot of the guys with um, with Lucha Underground. I think they were expecting seven seasons would be done within like three years, and they could move on to like something else. And it's kind of the process has been a little longer than they were expecting. And some of these guys have actually gotten some interest from WWE or you know New Japan or some other place they would like to work, and they can't. So. I think towards the end, you know, with the deal with Impact and and them allowing guys to work elsewhere, you know, internationally and stuff like that, I think Lucha Underground had to change the way they were treating these guys. And it's weird because the one thing is you have Lucha Underground allowing these guys to work elsewhere, but then you had AAA just making their guys' lives impossible, you know, especially Ray Phoenix and um, Penta Cero M, where they couldn't work certain places. So I think that's... I think... They kind of, I think there was a part where these guys just realized, you know, we just got to like split from this completely. I could see Angelico going going to WWE at some point. They're always going to be adding new talent. I could see him, you know, maybe they're the Europe, the 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 UK show or whatever they're going to do. Maybe he could be on that. Jack, I'm not so sure about. Um, the other news from AAA, really, the only news out of AAA is um, Vampiro may have retired, but then again, he may not have retired. You'll have to be. You'll have to stay tuned for all Vampiro updates on whether he's retired or not retired. You can visit luchablog.com. You can visit Luchablog's Twitter account. He will have you keep you updated on this news. I won't, because usually what I find out about it is when Lucha, when Cubs fan actually post about it. That's when I find out, and um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to retire or not. He says he's got a bad back or something, or he's got he's in pain and he's 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 not he doesn't look good in the ring. And he's he was talking he did this long, long com like long post on Facebook about how how bad he's fe- been feeling and everything that's gone wrong and all this stuff. And I don't know, that's that's Vampiro. One week he retires, one week he doesn't retire. The 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 big the, the you know. It's interesting if I would have done this show like probably last week around this time, the big news would have been this this um, Zack Saber Jr. story um, that came out. Um, there was a, he did an interview at a, during a new New Japan show where he basically was talking about how um, the they were gonna Suzuki Gun was gonna um, rule the world. They were gonna rule the Amer- the United States, Europe, Japan. And then he gets to Mexico and he says, not Mexico. Mexico can fuck off. And um, Black Terry Jr. posted the clip of that. And wow, everybody from Mexico got very upset. Not just the the the, the fans, but the media, the the rust, the luchadors. I, I, the funny thing is like the majority of the luchadors that got upset were um, from AAA. So there was no chance that they were ever going to get to work with um, Zack Sabre Jr. Anyways, so... And then he also said he, he wanted to wrestle technical wrestlers and technical wrestlers. So th- these guys don't fit that description. But yeah, they 
they oh actually Garza Jr. was the other one that got upset about it also so everybody was upset about it um, then he Zack Sabre Jr. they 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 posted a video of him in uh in New Orleans and he said that he loves Mexico he didn't he didn't mean it the way he said it it wasn't it, 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 he didn't mean it the way it came out he was talking about how how every time he wrestles luchadors he loses and he kind of like he was tired of losing to them and he wanted a he wanted um he he was upset at them and that was what he was his his animosity was directed towards the luchadors and so he basically challenged all technical luchadors technical luchadors technical not technical technical you know mat based luchadors two matches and he specifically mentioned Nero Casas Echi, um, I think Nero Casas Echicero and Ultimo Guerrero so he mentioned CML guys um, so who knows maybe that maybe maybe at some point someone will show um, CML this video of of, Echi, of uh, what Zack Sabre Jr. said about Mexico and then like his reaction afterwards his response afterwards to this maybe somebody will show it and maybe we might actually see him in CML. My guess is he'll probably just end up in Lucha Memes. We might or might not see that match when it does happen, depending on Danny um, Ledesma's mood. And, you know, because he's, 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 he's one of those guys who never really, he's very undecided on, 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 on what he's going to do with his, um, with his shows. But, yeah, that, that was a really weird thing and how crowd, everybody reacted. I thought it was funny. It's kind of like when, when, when us, and I try to explain it to a lot of people in Mexico, you know, it's like, it's like when, um, we make jokes about one city, you know, or, or like, you know, or like, you know, it, it we do that all the time and it's like in the U S and it's like, nobody gets that offended about it, but in Mexico, they very much got offended about it with it. And just, it went, it went, uh, it, 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 the reaction got carried away really, um, El Santo was added to the legacy wing of the WWE's Hall of Fame. I think that was on Friday night, last Friday night. That, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I don't know. Are they going to add Carvernario Galindo, Blue Demon Sr.? <laughs> They'll probably add Blue Demon Jr. before they add Blue Demon Sr. That, that would just upset everyone. But yeah, I don't know what else they're going to do. The, the other WWE news was um, Garza Jr. and Ultimo Ninja are reportedly close to joining WWE. According to Garza Jr., don't hold me to that. Um, that's all Garza Jr. saying, talking about that. Uh, I don't know if that's how um, how serious that is. Although I know um, Meltzer mentioned it also that, that that was a possibility. We'll have to stay tuned on that. El Soro has started a new lucha promotion called Chaos. Chaos. Chaos Lucha Libre. Um, he he uh, tagged me in this. Uh, so I, I ended up having to see that retweeted multiple times. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like an interesting, um, I don't know, like really, another promotion featuring everybody who left AAA. I, that's what I'm expecting. So, some bad news here from La, in Los Angeles, in SoCal. One of the pioneers of Lucha Libre in this area, Gil Are, Arellano, is in a hospice. Um, Kurt Brown posted this on his um, Facebook page. Uh, for those not familiar with Gil Ar Arellano, it, him, El Moro, I think it's him and El Moro and I think Chivo Garcia were like the the three people that really got Lucha Libre started in, um, in Los Angeles back in the early 70s. 
and Gil Ariano had a had a gym, Gil's gym, or as it was known amongst um, luchadors, Gil's garage, because it was really a garage where he um he worked he he worked on cars and stuff like that. But um, he also had a wrestlers train training and stuff. Um, I, if you've listened to this show, you've heard Kurt talk about it. You've heard Superboy talk about it. They've talked about the the gym and everything that that. I think the last podcast we did with um, Superboy, um, they talked about they told stories of um, things that would happen at the at Gil's garage. So, you know, keep him in his, in your thoughts and prayers. Um, really, one of the one of the pioneers. Uh, you don't, you know, and not only a lot of luchadors. I mean, you have a lot of guys like I know Samoa Joe would train there for a couple of times, and there's a lot of luchador, a lot of um, American wrestlers who who went through that that um, through that gym, and you know they now you see what they've they've become in wrestling and stuff like that. That's um, something that you know, you know, like I said, keep keep killing in your in your thoughts and prayers. Um, more news in lucha. Um, this past Wednesday on Informa, um, Gala Lutheroth and uh, the director of the of this um, documentary series were on to discuss a new ser- a doc- five-part documentary series um, called Nuestra Lucha Libre, which I think if you've read one of the more recent Lucha reports uh, where I talked about El Demasiado, um, he talked about this. He didn't name this documentary, but he talked about this, being in this documentary. Um, this is what it was. And um, it's basically a five-part series. It's going to air in Mexico's Channel 22 every Monday for the next five um, weeks. And it's about Lucha Libre, how it its effect on, on Mexican culture. And it's going to show you the like the luchadors, not just in the ring, but also outside the ring, how they... Um, how they act with their families and stuff like that. It's it sounds interesting. Um, they mentioned some of the names that were in it. They a lot of the footage was filmed in um, CML arenas, but they also said that they went to Coliseo Cuacalco and a couple of show, um, arenas in Ecatepec. So there's a lot of stuff that they said that's going to be a little different from your from some of the previous um, documentaries. Should be interesting. I know they streamed the. I don't know what I. They said that they it it streams, the show might stream on um, on Channel Twenty Two's um website. I don't know. I don't know if I could even watch that. I think that might be um something that that's um, you know, um, geo blocked. I don't know. But I'm sure if um Cubs fan gets access to it, he might actually like post it on his um page, or at least put a link to it. Finally, I want to give everyone an Aero Lucha update. As far as how their crowdfunding is going, it, Kurt, last the last update I got was um, eighty, a little over eighty-two thousand, with one hundred and twenty investors. There was someone who actually asked about the fifty k investment from one person, and Aerolucha CEO Jason Brown responded and said that it would came from a friend who believes in the project. Uh, I don't know. I mean. You never know. It's wrestling. There might be somebody wealthy who thought, you know, this was a great idea and decided to invest in it. Um, he said that it was somebody that actually not only believes in the project, but has seen how much work they put into it and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe. Um, that's about all this week. Again, be sure to visit us at luchaworld.com. You can also support the site by signing up to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash luchaworld.com 
which features the Lucha Classica podcast. Lucha Magazine write-ups. Currently working on a write-up for 19... I think it's 1962 or 1963. Arena Boxy Lucha Magazine. Also, I found a... I've been searching through um, 1989 magazines because I, if you go on my YouTube channel, r and Wrestling, you'll notice that I've post, been posting a lot of 1989 Lucha Libre. And I was trying to find dates for certain things, but I couldn't for the stuff that I needed to find dates for. But um, I ended up finding this really cool boxy Lucha that was covering uh, the Southern Boys debuting in El Toreo and Jushin Thunder Liger recent debut in um, El Toreo also. So that's something I want to write about. Oh, I also just added a new podcast for uh, $5 Reward patrons. The We we Are Out of Time podcast. That's going to cover wrestling shows, TV and movies featuring wrestlers or about wrestlers, documentaries, and anything else that I might not cover on the other podcasts. As far as upcoming podcasts on Patreon, I'm thinking of doing a Lucha Classica covering the many titles in CMLL where we'll rank them and give a little history on each title and how CML could benefit on on how they use them. Because uh, I kind of don't think they really use them properly. And, you know, in many ways, I don't think they really, like, I think they try to give the history when they mention all these names of guys that have held the belts. But there's also, like, there's so many wrestlers, not just fans, but wrestlers who don't really know who these guys were. Like, you know... You know, the guys who held the belts early on or what they did with them and how important it was at that time. Um, also, thinking of doing part one of the Apache Family Feud as well. That should come up probably in May after this, um, the, the title history one. Um, as far as for the next We're Out of Time podcast, um, it depends on which I see first. It will either be about the, about the Andre the Giant HBO documentary or Boone the Bounty Hunter. Haven't really decided. It might be both. I think I think we could probably fit both in one podcast. I think it might be easier just to do them separately, just because if I'm gonna use like a picture or something, I, I don't want to like, you know, you have Andre the Giant, but it's like oh, and you also get this other show. I think I just want to split it up. Um, I think I'm gonna do it just separate. Anyway, you can also visit our sponsor Amazon.com. If ordering something from them, click through the link on our on our website. And they'll send us a few pesos every so often. Um, Again, thanks everyone for listening. Hope everyone enjoyed the show and we will be back again soon.